Good morning. How you guys doing? You guys doing all right? Good. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. I want to thank everybody for coming. I want to thank everybody that is watching us online right now. Thank you for watching. Whoever's going to listen to our podcast this week, hey, thank you for watching and listening and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. We are in a series. We're actually wrapping up with that series, Fear Factory, this morning. Uh, next week, we'll be starting a new series on purpose. Hey, just because we went through a pandemic doesn't mean our purpose is gone. Doesn't mean that the promises of God have gone away. Come on, the promises of God are still there. The purpose of God. So, man, we, we're just going to get rid of the spirit of fear and step into all that God has in store for us. Amen. Uh, real quick, before we get into it this morning, I wanted to thank everybody for buying burritos last week. Come on, weren't those burritos good? Good burritos. Uh, man, we ended up raising $1,500 for our missionaries in Southeast Asia, man, to help them uh, get back and, and minister to a gospel to a place where Christianity is basically illegal. And so, man, thank you so much for your generosity and giving the burrito or buying the burritos and, and giving over and above. Uh, I just want to thank you for that. So we are in a series, we're wrapping up a, a series this morning called Fear Factory. We've been talking about this thing called the spirit of fear. And the reason why we've talked been talking about it is because it's been in our face nonstop, right? The spirit of fear has been everywhere. Last week, we talked about uh, a power that God has given us that directly destroys the spirit of fear, and that is the joy. I'm hoping that you got the joy of the Lord this morning because I do, okay? I was fired up first service, and I am even more fired up this service. Come on, somebody. Maybe it was that song. Maybe it was the revival song, okay? I told the worship team that was so good, I had to sit myself down because I was ready to go do laps. You know what I'm saying? Start a Jericho march. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you do, but we're not going to do it this morning. Uh, all right, what are we talking about? Fear factory, fear factory. We've been talking about the spirit of fear. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking about a subject today that I believe if we got this one thing, this is one thing right, everything in our lives would change. I believe everything in our city would change, our state, our country, even the world. If we, if just the church, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna talk about atheists or agnostics this morning. I'm talking if the church gets this one thing, we can change everything. And you're probably thinking, Pastor, you're being dramatic this morning, okay? I'm not being dramatic. The title of my message today is Fear of the Lord. If we truly as the church understood the fear of the Lord, everything would change. So what, what, what am I talking about? Am I talking about being scared of God? Am I about, no, I'm not talking about being scared of God, but there is a portion of that, okay? When we understand that we serve a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, and we look at some of the stories in the Old Testament where people encountered the Lord, man, they, they, they were flattened, right? They, they, their face was, was, was stuck to the ground. When, when Moses met God face-to-face -face and, his, and, and, and his face turned into a light bulb the people were like man get away from us and so there's, there's a little bit of that the, the fear of the Lord that he is all powerful but today I want to I want to have six points today I want to talk about what happens when we fear 
the Lord. Come on, let's pray, and then we'll get into Scripture this morning. Father, we just thank you for this moment. We just thank you for this moment that we can just, we can breathe your breath in this moment, God, that we're in a safe place. God, that we're in your house this morning. Father, I thank you that every person that's here, they're here on purpose because you wanted them here and you've got a word for them. And so right now, God, I just ask you to open our hearts, open our minds, that we may understand the word that you have for us today. And God, that we would let it transform us and change us, that we would leave this place different and closer to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. This has been our launching scripture. This is Paul speaking to his spiritual son. He says this, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so today, we're really going to be honing in on those last three, living in power, love, and self-discipline. And the fear of the Lord has a lot to do with it. And so this morning, I got six points, six things that happen when we live in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to start off with the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. Now, uh, context, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He just sent them out, right? He gave them power to cast out demons and heal the sick. And so the disciples are going out from town to town and they're doing it, but they're also encountering some persecution, okay? And so they're back and now Jesus is speaking to them in Matthew 10, uh, 28 through 31. He says this, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. And so what Jesus is saying, listen, you're going to get persecuted. You're going you're to get beat up. And he doesn't tell them that all of them are going to die but one. But, you know, he says, listen, don't so much worry about this physical body. You should care more about where you're going to spend eternity. Then he says this, fear only God. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's, here's the truth, is that we will bow and serve whatever fear is greater in our lives. So if the spirit of fear is great in our lives, we'll end up bowing to that spirit. But if the spirit of God, the, the fear of God is greater, we'll end up being led and bowing and serving the Lord. And so Jesus here is telling, man, I need you to focus on eternity, where you're going to spend eternity. And, and Jesus talks more about hell than he does heaven in the New Testament. And the point that I think Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples and to us today is hell is eternal separation from God. That, that's really what hell is. It's eternal separation from God. God. And when we begin to fear the Lord, now listen, again, it's not to be scared, but it's to live in, in such a way that honors God with your life. And I'll get into that a little bit more. It's living in, in reverence to him, that your life may honor the fathers. 
And so Jesus is saying, man, hell is eternal separation from God. And when we fear the Lord, we don't want to live a moment separated from the Father. We don't want to live one second separated from God. That's, that's what Jesus say, man, fear only God, the one that can destroy your soul. Be more focused about where you're going to spend eternity instead of what you're doing here on earth. So he continues, and I love this. Jesus switches into value. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And so why does he use birds? And the reason why Jesus uses birds is because they, the disciples saw birds wherever they went. And birds weren't valued very much, specifically sparrows. They, they didn't value them very much. And so Jesus says, you see these stupid birds that you see everywhere? Like God even cares about them. Like, like God cares about each and every one. He cares about everything in this world. He even cares about birds. And then Jesus says this, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. And on behalf of the Lord, I just, those of you that don't have a lot of hair or are bald, he just wants to thank you for making his job easy. And because you're bald and he doesn't have to keep track of your hairs on your head, he wants to bless you even more. Come on. Just receive it if you're bald or balding today. Come on, it's a good thing. <laughs> now, on a scale of 1 to 10, about issues and problems in your life, okay? I'm talking about things that you deal with every single day, paying the bills, uh, you know, keeping your marriage communication well in your marriage, uh, going to work, you know, doing your job. All the things, all the issues that we have, all the problems that we deal with, all the anxieties that we experience on a daily basis, if, if 10 is the highest and 1 is the lowest, think about where having a good hair day, it mixes in to that, to that issue, okay? Now, some of you some of you are like, uh, it's really high, Pastor. Like, if I don't have a good hair day, everything goes to grab, okay? Now, now listen, like my wife, she spends a lot of money on her hair, more than me, okay? She, she likes to have good hair days, okay? That, that's, not, that's not bad. But in and, and, and just the grand scheme of all the issues and problems that we have on a daily basis, where do you think having a good hair day is? It's probably not above five, right? It's, it's probably somewhere lower in the lower range. And what Jesus is saying to us today is that God even cares about you having a good hair day. Come on. So don't be afraid. I care about your hair. I care about birds. Don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Point number one today, fearing God lets us know our value. Fearing God lets us know our value. Listen, we, we, can't, we can't walk in love if we don't know what we're valued what our value is. We can't love ourselves if we don't know how valuable we are. We can't live in self-control and self-discipline if we don't know how valued our life is. And we certainly can't walk in the power of God if we don't know how valuable we are to the Father. 
We are so valuable to God. You are the only you. You are so precious and valuable to God. Listen to me, young person. Don't you give your purity away. Listen, listen, young lady, I know that he says that he loves you and he gives you those Google eyes. You make him put a ring on it. Come on, somebody. Listen, I know that it's not popular in culture to save yourself from marriage, but that's what God's opinion is on it. Well, Pastor, I got to test drive the car. Be, be. Young man, you're more valuable than that. That is a daughter of the king that you're messing with. Listen. Listen, this is, man, when we know our value and how valuable we are to God, it, man, and it starts with, with fearing the Lord that allows us to step into how valuable we are and how precious our lives are to God. You are the only you. When we fear the Lord, we begin to understand how valuable we are, valuable we are that we are a son and daughter of the Most High. Point number two, fearing God brings wisdom. Fearing God brings wisdom. Psalms 111.10 says this, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Jesus loves to use illustrations of, of foundations and building a house, right? And, and what the writer of Psalms is saying here, the psalmist is saying here, is that the foundation of our lives should be godly wisdom. But if we don't fear the Lord, if we don't live in such a way that brings honor to God and reverence to God, we, don't, we can't even get wisdom from the Lord. We're not even building a solid foundation if we don't fear the Lord. Can't even get the wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 says this. Proverbs 1.7 says this. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Point number three today, fearing God brings the Lord's discipline. Some of you are like, some of you are like, well, why would I want that? Why would I want to be disciplined by, by God? I have two sons. Uh, the oldest is Jude. He's nine. Uh, the youngest is Zeke. He is sick, six. And uh, I discipline my boys. You're welcome. I, I discipline my boys. And the reason why I discipline my boys, now listen, uh, I spank my kids. And I know that's not politically correct. I don't care. Okay, I, the Bible tells us that I can spank my kids. I'm going to spank my kids. And um, you can clap for that. That's fine. Listen, please don't send me an email this week. You know, Pastor. <laughs> I 
<laughs> um, what was I talking about? Some spanking kids. Okay. Uh, listen, when, when, before I spank my kids, I have a conversation with, with my sons. Now, Jude, not so much anymore. Zeke, yes, a lot, okay? He's six, and he's wild, and he's, his name is Ezekiel, okay? And, uh, and I have a conversation with him. I said, listen, listen, son, I don't want you to grow up to be a brat. I don't want you to grow up to be rebellious. I don't want you to, to, to grow up disrespecting authority. I want you to be a great man of God. I want you to be a leader. I want you to be a great husband. I want you to be a great father. I want all that God has in store for your life. And so that's why I have to spank you. And I, I spank them, and after I spank them, I hold them. And I tell them how much I love them. And this is what, this is what discipline does, and this is what godly discipline does. It brings us in closer intimacy with God. It brings me in closer intimacy with my children. And listen, I'm not going to spank your kids, okay? That's not my job. I'm not going to spank your kids because I'm not in an intimate relationship with them. And that's what God says. He says, I only discipline the ones I love. I only discipline my children. And, and here's, here's the problem with the church in general is that we never even get to the, to the discipline part of God. We never even get to the, this Holy Spirit correction that's gently leading and guiding us because so many people in the church are trying to straddle the sin fence or, or, or jump over the fence and then come back and... and and I talk to people all the time. They're like, Pastor, 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 is it okay if I have five beers? What about seven? Well, I have a really high tolerance. You know, is it okay if I have seven beers? Pastor, 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 whatever. Is it okay if I smoke weed? Is it okay if I smoke weed? And I get, oh, I just get high on the weekends. And, and, and Pastor, shrooms are going to be legal soon. Is, is it okay if I do shrooms? Is it okay if I do shrooms? And, Pastor, is God really mad at me if, if, you know, I'm out sleeping with a bunch of people? And, and is God really upset at me? I mean, he's a, he's a loving, graceful God. And we spend so much time straddling the fence and jumping over and back and forth of the fence that we miss the discipline, this loving intimacy that God has in store for our lives. Because we're so worried of, well, is God okay with this? Is he not okay with this? Man, just let the Holy Spirit correct you and discipline you. I don't need to tell you what is a sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job in your life. We spend so much time like straddling this sin fence. Listen, I lived on the other side of the fence for seven years of my life, and I'll tell you there is nothing good over there. Young person... I'm going to save you a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. Get right with God now because it's the best way to live. The world literally has nothing for you except for pain, anxiety, fear, and eventually, man, Satan wants to kill your life. So we just spend so much time, and, and it reminds me, I grew up on the farm, I grew up on the farm, and we used to have all these electric fences everywhere to keep the cows in. Now I'm a teenager, okay, doing teenager things. 
okay? Get a little bored on the farm, okay? And uh, it was before the internet. Like, there was a time before the internet. And uh, we would go on, we try to go under the fence without getting shocked, right? We would try to go through the fence, right? And try. Uh, my, my favorite is when we would jump, we would jump, we would jump and touch the fence. Oh, did, you get, did you get shocked? Did you get shocked? No, I didn't get shocked. And one day, I didn't really know how electricity worked, okay? And uh, I was spitting on the fence. And I just let one of my, one of my spit drool on the fence. <laughs> then I was like to one of my brothers, hey, you should pee on the fence. <laughs> That's what older brothers do. But it just reminds me of this. It's like so many people in the church, Christians, we're just, we're just trying to like, oh, is that a sin? Oh, is God okay with that if I do that? And you know what I mean? Oh, maybe I should say, and we're just getting electrocuted and we're just missing out on this deep intimacy with the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us, that corrects us when we're off course. And it's not this wrathful lightning bolt, God, but it's this gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit that says, Andrew, you're better than that. I've got way more for your life than that. That is artificial. That is fake. Let me show you the real deal. Discipline from God. See, Lord, discipline of God is just going in a, in a deeper intimacy with the Father. He says, I only discipline the ones I love. I only discipline my, my children. And so it's a privilege and an honor that God would love me enough to correct course me when I need it, right? To, to, to discipline me, lead, and guide me. Psalms 25, 14. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Point number four this morning, fearing God allows us to enter into friendship with Jesus. To me this week, this just, this just hit me. And I'm just like, man, I was such a disaster before Jesus. And that he would forgive me and he would accept me to the point where he calls me friend. Like the intimacy of God, the God of the universe who, who is all-powerful and all-controlling, would, would call me a friend. Jesus explains it like this in John 15, 12 through 15. And again, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Remember, he says, if you follow my commandments, if you follow my covenants, this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So there's, there's, there's some things that we have to do to be God's friend. I mean, Jesus says it really clear. If you want to be my friend, you have to obey my commandments. 
If you want to be my friend, there, there's some things that you, you need to do. You need to align your life up with, with Scripture. It's just not this, this do whatever you want and you can still be my friend. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, no, you've got to obey the commandments of the Lord to be my friend. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Let's continue. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Jesus makes it really simple, right? Love God, love people. But we can't love God and we can't love people the way we were created to love without the fear of the Lord. The next point, point number five, fearing God helps us love God and love one another. Because of all those things that I talked about before that, man, we have to know how valuable we are to be able to, one, love ourselves, but to, to love each other. Fearing God helps us love God, but also love each other as Jesus loves us. I want to end with this, this story this, this morning. It's a story that you would, if you didn't know where it was written, you would think that it was written in the Old Testament. So many people are like, man, why is, the, old, why is the, the God of the Old Testament so different than the New Testament? He's not. He's not different. Yes, he seems a little bit more angry and wrathful in the Old Testament, okay? And that, that's part of the, the fear of the Lord, understanding that he's all-powerful. But I want to tell you this story this, this morning because it's my sixth point, but I want to really, I want you to think about this, of what happens, the results of this, this church, okay? Here's the context. The, Jesus has died. He's rose again. He's ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come and filled the 120, right? The Holy Spirit is here. It's empowering them. They're going out, spreading the gospel, and the church is rapidly growing. The church is rapidly going. People are selling stuff, homes and, and, and fields and land. They're just selling everything and they're giving it to the church. And so the church is thriving. The church is growing. People are being saved every single day. And there's this guy by the name of Barnabas in, in Acts chapter 4. It's the, the last couple passages of Acts chapter 4. We have to know Acts chapter 4 before we, we, we teach on Acts chapter 5. And so Barnabas, the 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 disciples even gave him a nickname, Son of Encouragement. They would call him the Son of Encouragement. And he sold a field and brought a large sum of money to the disciples. And so they, they encouraged it, okay? Generosity is something that should be encouraged. It should be celebrated. And that's what they were doing. They, they were celebrating this man's generosity by giving this, this huge gift of finances to the church. Now, there was a couple in the church that were known for big givers, okay? And I don't, Scripture doesn't tell us, but my thought and my feeling is that they got a little jealous of this, of like, man, he got a nickname, son of encouragement. I 
a nickname, right? And so the story that you're going to see, you're going to see this, this couple that started out with good intentions of giving and, and supporting the church, but they go off track a little bit. Let's read it today. Acts 5, 1 through 3. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. Let's continue. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. If you're new to Passion Life Church, welcome to church today. Come on. We're a church filled with joy and Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Let's continue. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Let's continue. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. I bet. I bet you that church never skimped on their tithe check. <laughs> Point number six, fearing God helps us live in self-control. Fearing God helps us live this self-disciplined, self-controlled life when we know that God is in complete control over everything. And listen, some of us are living in a way where we don't think that God knows everything that we're doing. Listen, you can fool people. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your kids. You can fool your coworkers, but you can't fool God. He sees it all. He sees it all. And when we have this, this, this reverent fear of God Almighty, the utmost high, and we, we think about before we go someplace or, or, or go with somebody or watch something or listening something, are we processing it through, is this going to bring honor to God or not? Is this decision in my life, is this going to bring reverence to God or, or not? Listen, we're, we're not fooling God with our lives. And when we fear the Lord, it allows us to live in this place of self-control. It allows us to live in this place that is self-discipline. It allows us to live in this place where our lives, the decisions that we're making, honor God. 
So what happens to this church after this happened? I mean, they saw two people dead. I mean, so what happens? What happens in this church is what I hope happens in this church. Is that this church, they understood the fear of God. They weren't scared of God. But they wanted to be a friend of God. This church began to understand their value. And what happened after was supernatural miracles began to happen every single day. Spirits were, were, were cast out of people. And people were getting saved every single day. Because this church understood the fear of the Lord. What would happen if, if all of us lived differently on Monday and we said, okay, does this decision, does this honor God with my life? Because he's, he's watching. And listen, he's not watching with, with an eye of judgment, but he, he's looking with an eye of a loving father, want, wanting a, a deeper relationship with you. That's why he's given us free will. Man, listen, if love was automatic, then that's not love. Love is a choice. And he wants us, God the Father wants us to choose him every single day. That's why there's so much power when we love God and love people. Satan hates it. Listen, when we fear the Lord, we step into this place where we begin to understand our value, how valuable we are to God. When we, when we begin to fear the Lord in our lives, all of a sudden God gives us godly wisdom to, to lead and guide our lives to make good decisions. When we fear the Lord, we, we open our lives up to the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to correct us. Not to bring shame or guilt on us, but to lovingly guide us back on the right path. When we fear the Lord, he brings us into friendship with God. When we fear the Lord, we have the capability to love God, how we've been designed to love him, but also love each other. Listen, when, when a church is filled with love, the spirit of fear cannot live there. Because there's, there's, no, there's no fear in love. And so when a church just begins to love God with all of their heart, mind, and soul, and we begin to love each other as we, we love ourselves, man, the spirit of fear can't, man, no spirit, no demonic spirit can, can dwell in that place. There's no fear in love. When the church begins to, to fear the Lord, we begin to live in self-control. We actually begin to live like God is actually watching us. We live in such a way that self-discipline, and listen, I know this is completely counterculture. I know if you turn on the TV and, and watch it for more than five minutes, you'll hear somebody say, listen, just do it. If it feels good, do it. Listen, that life leads to a life of destruction, of pain and anxiety and brokenness. And, and God doesn't, he's, he's a father and he doesn't want us to have to go through all of that pain that we don't have, it's unnecessary. He's just trying to save us from that. Can we, can we be a church that fears God? 
we be a church that desires to see all that God wants to do in our city, a church that, that wants to see spiritual awakening, a revival, uh, a church that, man, we want to see more supernatural miracles. Man, we, we want to see more healing take place, not just physical, but, but spiritual and mental. It starts with us fearing, fearing the Lord. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus, and I need to say yes to him. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth, and, and you've just, and you've gotten caught up in the things of this world and, and the pleasure of this, this life, and, and you've just gotten way off course. And, and today you need to recommit your life to Jesus. What's awesome about Jesus is the moment you say yes is the moment that you're back in his will. You're back in the family. Every head by every eye closed. This is your personal declaration of faith today. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. You can put your hands down. And I would just ask this morning that we all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sin, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will fear you and I will follow you. Thank you so much for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. If you'd like more information, you can email us at passionatelifechurch at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, or share this with a friend. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.